We are already in the second week of Advent, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty happy with the December so far. Like, it's pretty nice weather outside, but um, when we look to the rest of the world, that's probably not the case. I mean, we lit the candle of peace this morning, and I'm not sure where you're at this week, um, or even this morning, but it's kind of ironic this is the week of peace. Uh, let, me, let me explain. So... Last week, or two weeks ago, I guess, was Black Friday with the shopping Christmas spree. Cyber Monday was this past Monday. Um, We have ever-changing COVID regulations that make life a little bit uncertain. Um, Exam season coming up for those in school. Uh, Wondering what Christmas will even look like this year. Uh, There's a lot of change happening, and in the midst of change and uncertainty, it's, it's easy to lose our peace. And yet God promises to be our peace for us, to be the anchor in the storm no matter what we face. And so Philippians 4, 6, and 7, uh, it's it's an encouraging anchor. I'd I'd, I'd recommend you memorize this verse for yourself. Uh, It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How has your prayer life been this week? Um, According to this verse, all we need to do to experience God's overwhelming peace is to tell him what's on our hearts and then to thank him for what he's already given us. And I want to, as Dustin has been encouraging you guys to, uh, press into the the 15 minutes of prayer uh, to encourage you guys to set aside some time this week uh, to be praying. If you've already set aside 15 minutes a week or, or a day to start, or sorry, you know, one time, try setting aside 15 minutes every day to pray. Uh, if it's five minutes in the morning, uh, whatever that looks like for you, whatever habit it's going to be, but be earnest. Bring what's on your heart towards God and, and praise him for what he's already given you with thanksgiving. Uh, but this morning, we are going to be looking at the story of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And there are actually only a few short verses in the Bible that we have uh, with regards to Joseph. Uh, so if you want to read along with me, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Um, and even though there's only a few short verses about Joseph, I think we can gain a lot of understanding about his character um, and how we are called to act in the same way as he did. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from all their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, apart from 
this short paragraph that we just read, there's only one other short story of Joseph that we have in the Bible. It's in the next chapter here. Um, And it talks about how he, again, in the same way as this story, uh, was approached by an angel told to go to Egypt, uh, so to escape uh, the coming death that um, was going to be happening to all the children at the time. But after this, he was then later called by the angel to return to Galilee, and he obeyed. He just got up and left. He listened to the voice of the Lord and moved his family to a country that was unknown to him. Now, before uh, we dig into this passage a little bit more in the life of Joseph, I want to ask you a question. What do you do when life becomes uncertain? What do you do when you don't know where God is in your life and you aren't sure what the next steps are? Because we're all going through a season of change right now, and Life probably looks very different than we expected it to a year ago, right? I mean, if any of you expected it to look like this from a year ago, please, I have a couple questions to ask you afterwards regarding the upcoming lottery numbers. Um, But for the most part, we're all having to adjust our plans in life. We're all having to change things. And it can be difficult to know what path to take next. We We had business plans that fell through, and now we're not sure how our business is gonna continue running. We had a healthy support group and community, but now our mental health is suffering because we don't have the ability to meet with people. Or, or when you lost your job and you're not sure how you're going to pay for rent this month, let alone find a new one. What do we do when life becomes uncertain and we don't know what the next steps are? Well, from the life of Joseph, I think we can learn a great deal about how we can move forwards, how to be obedient in the midst of a difficult season, Um, But we can also see that God walks alongside us faithfully in the midst of any storm or chaos that we go through. And he directs our way when we don't know what to do. That we at points don't know how to walk intimately with God. And so we have to rest on the promise that he will walk intimately with us, as he did with Joseph. Now, like I said, there's really not much about Joseph in the Bible, apart from a few short stories. Uh, But it's for a good reason. Uh, the Gospels don't tell the accounts of you know, a very young Jewish carpenter and his wife who became pregnant out of wedlock because the story is not about them. It's about Jesus. There's a good point to this. So what can we learn from the life of Joseph in relation to what Jesus is currently doing in our lives today? And I would say first, we can hold to the promise that God will lead us if we are willing to step out and obey him. Now, a practice that I've often found helpful when I'm reading the Bible myself is to put myself in the, in the shoes of the characters that I'm reading. Uh, because we miss a lot when we only read the actual words on the page. I'm not saying there's hidden words in there. But, uh, for instance, we read a lot of stories of Jesus healing people, but what we don't read is what they smelled like. What we don't read is how ragged they likely looked before Jesus healed them. There's an element of reality in the story that we we overlook when we don't actually relate to the character of what's happening. So we read that Joseph found out Mary was pregnant and had it in his mind to divorce her quietly as to not cause her shame. But what we don't read is how he felt about the situation. We don't really read what his thoughts were, what was going through his head when he first found out that his, his new wife was pregnant. How would you have felt in this situation? 
I'm sure the excitement of being betrothed was soon overtaken with worries of adultery and wondering what other people would think of them from now on. He had to decide if it was better to divorce Mary quietly and let her off the hook in this case, or if it was better to bring her before the religious leaders of the time and have her stoned to death, which was the actual requirement of the law. Joseph had to make a decision in the midst of change, in the midst of him being hurt as well, in the midst of an uncertain future. And when it, when it comes to making decisions in the midst of change, it can be difficult to know what our next steps are, and it can be easy to become stuck. When God turns our lives upside down, we, we don't always know what the next steps are, let alone how to get back up on our feet sometimes. And when, when we face challenging and uncertain circumstances, it's difficult to make a decision. And like I said, easy to become stuck in a place of not doing anything. And if we, if we stay in our hurt, if we stay in our certain uncertainty, uh, we become stagnant. We don't move. And the difficulties, if we allow them to keep us in a place of inactivity, we stop growing. We become more tired with life. So, what did Joseph do in his circumstance when his life was now made uncertain? He moved forwards in the best way he knew how. He still chose to love Mary in whatever way he could. Now, you might not know what your future holds now that you are out of work, now that you don't have a job. You might not know what your next steps are after losing someone who's really close to you. But if we stay in a place of inactivity for too long, then we become lost. We don't know what our next steps are. So, if you are stuck in a rut, like there's, there's a good side to all of this, don't worry, it's not just doom and gloom. Um, if you are stuck in a rut, I'd encourage you to find some small opportunities where you can show love to someone this week. Because as you serve, as you take steps in loving others, God will lead you in the way you should go. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of a man plans his ways, but God establishes his steps. Psalm 32, verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. We can hold to promises in, in God's word and the truth that he will still lead us and guide us as we are willing to take steps of obedience, as we are willing to move. Philippians 1, 6. Uh, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you guys. My encouragement to you is to either, again, memorize these verses, hold on to them so when you go through times of uncertainty and fear, you can remember them. You can hold them close to your heart and tell yourself what a truth really is. Philippians 1, 6 that says that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God loves you too much to leave you where you're at. He loves you too much to let you remain stuck in a rut of fear and uncertainty. So if you are feeling stuck where you're at, Again, I encourage you to show small opportunities of love towards other people. It could mean baking for someone in this Christmas season. It could mean writing an encouraging message, um, inviting someone over for a meal, although not right now, right? Tell them to cook a meal for themselves and you Skype in or whatever that looks like. Uh, but there are still a lot of opportunities we can show love to those around us. What about love to those in our own household? So first, from Joseph's story, we, we learn that we can be encouraged when life becomes difficult and our future uncertain, we can hold to the promise that God will walk intimately beside us and that he will direct us as we are willing to step out and obey him. Uh, second, we learn from this story how to treat those who cause us hardship. Now, Joseph wasn't sure what his life would look like now that Mary had become pregnant, and 
in his hardship, he still chose to show her love and mercy. In verse 19, the ESV translation says that uh, Joseph was a just man and unwilling to put Mary to shame. He had every right, according to God's law, to put Mary to death for what she had done, for being pregnant outside of uh, their marital relationship. But instead of taking the offense that had been done to him and using So my question is, where are you at in the story of Joseph? What do you do when offense comes your way? It's easy to hold on to resentment and let our, our anger or bitterness uh, take over, so we try to avenge our offense. But what if we took Joseph's attitude and were willing to forgive and show love where it's really not deserved? Like I said, we're all going through a season of change right now, uh, which adds stress. And as we have more stress in our life, it can become easier to take and give offense to those around us. And the problem with hurt and offense is that it separates us from others. In our separation, we think that we're the only ones suffering. We're the only ones who are going through this terrible time and we simply take care of our own needs in order to just make it through this difficult season. We think we're the only ones suffering, and so we turn inwards. Our focus isn't on the world or on Jesus. It's on our own problems. And when we focus on our own problems, we just become depressed. And when we do this, we become resentful, bitter, and angry people. It's, it's a lot like the story of Jonah, for instance, where um, you know, he ran from God, because he didn't want to speak his message to the Ninevites. Um, and after he spent some time in a fish, he was actually obedient to God, went and preached the message God had preached. Uh, but after this, it says that Jonah went and sat outside of the city looking at how God would destroy the city, how he would destroy Nineveh. And this isn't what God's plan still was. He had a problem Jonah did with the Ninevites and wanted God to destroy them. And he was so angry, he focused so much on the problem that he had, that he even said, I am angry enough to die. I'm angry enough to, to no longer want to live, to go on. Jonah was so transfixed on what God wasn't doing that he missed what God was doing. If you haven't heard the story of Corey Ten Boom before, it's a beautiful story. She's written a book uh, the hiding place, but she was a Dutch woman who lived during the, uh, the uh, World War II, and after she was put in a concentration camp for hiding um, Jews and other um, Dutch people in her house, she experienced horrific tragedies. She saw the loss of many of her family and those close to her. Um, but even in her difficulty, even in her uncertainty of what the future held, she had some optimistic outlooks on life. And here's one quote that she says. She says, if you look to the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Now, I realize that's kind of a cliche, uh, maybe a little bit of a ridiculous Christian saying. I want to read that one more time because I think it's beautiful and has tremendous impact. If you look to the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. What is your focus set on? Where is your attention on the average day? If you're choosing to focus on the world, then you're only going to cause more anguish for yourself because there's not that much good happening in the world. There still is if we look for it, but it's much easier to focus on the things that are going wrong. If we focus on the problems and the offense that's been done to us, we become depressed. Life becomes too heavy for us to carry on. 
But when we bring our focus back to God and what he's doing in our lives and the lives of those around us, we can find peace and assurance. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not easy. It's not easy when you have a fence in your life to let go of the need to avenge and to forgive and to turn your focus towards God. It's not easy. But what would have happened if Jesus took that attitude? Instead of paying the price for our sins, what if he saw the offense that we had done to him and instead said, no, screw that, they're not worth it? We'd forever be stuck in our pain, our distress, and our shame. Guys, we, we as Christians aren't called to love people because they deserve it. We're called to love people because God has first loved us. And this is the good news, that we, we have turned our backs on the only one who has unconditionally loved us And yet he still offers to take our offense. And instead of holding it against us, he's willing to suffer in and of himself. Now, like I said, it's not easy to love people when they've hurt us, when we're offended. And we do suffer in not being able to avenge ourselves when we act in love instead of offense. But we suffer a great deal more when we act in offense instead of love. And the only way we can love our offender, the people who hurt us in life, is with God's strength, knowing that he chose to love us first. Joseph, in his hardship, didn't choose to hold on to the offense that had been done to him. Instead, he chose to act in mercy and love towards the one who hurt him. And we, too, can show love to those who cause us to suffer because we have been given that love I want to close with a, a story I heard back in Bible college of just an image of God's love for us. Uh, so paint whatever mental picture you want to in this. Um, if it helps to close your eyes and just meditate, uh, I'd encourage you to do that as well. But God's love for us is like we are the unfaithful spouse in a marriage. And that our partner has shown us nothing but love and goodness and kindness our entire life. And yet still we instead choose to turn to other lovers. And in our running away, we contract diseases. We, we form our body in such ways it causes it to shut down. And, and it makes us then despised in the eyes of the lovers that we turn to. And as we sit in the hospital bed, our body's rotting away because of the decisions that we made our spouse draws back the curtain and walks to our side. And as God approaches, he approaches us, he says he knows everything that we've done. He sees all the mistakes that we've made. He looks at our broken body and our diseases. And he still takes our hand in his and puts on our finger the ring of commitment again. God's love for you will pursue you to the ends of the earth. It will chase you through the darkest valley and plunge into the deepest depths alongside you. There's nowhere you can run and nothing you can do to escape it. You need only to receive it. My hope is that this week you have a greater understanding of the height, the depth, the width, and the length of God's love for you so that as you suffer, as you go back out into the world that is harsh and brutal and dark, that you might be able to be a light of love And show the same love that God has shown towards you to those around you. Be the love that God has shown you this week.
Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that we've not earned your love, but that you've freely shown it to us. We thank you for your faithfulness to us in, in good seasons and bad seasons. God, we thank you that you walk alongside us and lead us in the way that we should go. God, I pray for those suffering. I pray for those who are going through difficulty, for those who are looking at their future and its uncertainties. God, I ask that you would strengthen them, help them turn their eyes towards you, and help us, God, as we navigate through the uncertainties of life to faithfully hold to your truth, to your word, to your promises towards us. God, bless us this week as we love those around us well, and help us keep in mind the love that you've shown us in order to love those around us well. God, you are good, and we thank you for your goodness to us. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.